the History Channel original podcast. If you've been a fan of sports long enough, you know the feeling. You've become attached to your favorite player. Then the team just ships them out of town. The better the player is, the harder it is to get over that sting. And it could even happen with literally the greatest player in the history of the sport. In Canada, Gretz is God, first and foremost. There's Gretz, and then there's God. And I think Gretz is ahead of him. (laughs) Gretz, the great one, Wayne Gretzky. In 1988, hockey changes forever. After nearly a decade of massive success with the Edmonton Oilers, Wayne Gretzky shocks a sport and a nation. He's leaving Canada, a country that worships hockey and worships him. I would say that's the biggest trade probably. Gosh, it could be in all the sport. Think about that. At his peak, just one MVP of the playoffs, he gets traded to Los Angeles, like a non-hockey market. The sport has never seen anything like this before. And for Oilers fans, losing Wayne Gretzky feels so unfair, they won't even call it a trade. In the days immediately following the Gretzky trade... Sale. (laughs) uh, The sale, yes. Sorry, thank you for correcting me. (laughs) Kaylin, it's okay to call it the trade. I call it the trade all the time. (laughs) Sports history this week. August 9th, 1988. Wayne Gretzky leaves the Oilers to join the LA Kings. The most controversial trade, or sale, in hockey history. I'm Kalen Jones. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the mid-70s, the Edmonton Oilers aren't even an NHL team. They're in the WHA, the World Hockey Association, a mid-level league that features young, exciting hockey but always seems to be in financial trouble. For a long time in Western Canada, there had been a great hunger and yearning to get teams into the NHL. David Staples is a lifelong Edmonton Oilers fan and journalist for the Edmonton Journal. He remembers looking towards greener pastures, hoping the NHL would snatch up Edmonton as the league was growing and adding teams. They were mainly going to cities two or three times the size of Edmonton mostly in the United States. Didn't look like we'd ever get in. In 1977, the Edmonton Oilers are bought by a car dealership tycoon named Peter Pocklington. His portfolio also includes real estate in Alberta, a financial trust, and some local Edmonton food suppliers. He was a wheeler and dealer. You know, he's the kind of guy who stood in front of the mirror in the morning and said, you are great. You are somebody. You are going to kick ass all day long. That was Peter Pocklington, and he did it. He was just a fascinating swashbuckling character. Pocklington, who comes to be known as The Puck, says that of all his enterprises, 
sports ownership brings him the most satisfaction. He finds a real connection with the Oilers. People in Edmonton like to see themselves as self-starters and business people and entrepreneurs and go-getters, and he kind of epitomized that aspect of Edmonton. The Oilers are named after Alberta's key economic industry, oil fields that account for nearly 70% of Canada's oil production. Demand for Albertan oil skyrocketed during an oil embargo in the early 70s. As a result, the Edmonton economy is flourishing, so the puck has more cash than he knows what to do with. Hocklington would do things like go into the dressing room with a big bag of money and say, if, if you win, this money's yours. He just thrived there. And it was a booming time for Edmonton in the 1970s. Hocklington is constantly looking for ways to improve the team. He hires former Oilers player Glenn Sather as coach and general manager. And in 1978, Hawkinson hears that the WHA's Indianapolis Racers are struggling financially. Sather wants to take advantage by trying to poach their goaltender and left winger. But Pocklington has his eyes on a bigger prize, a 17-year-old named Wayne Gretzky, who's just eight games into his pro career. So the puck calls up the racer's owner, Nelson Scalbania. The story goes that they played a backgammon game, and if Pocklington won the game, then Scalbania would send uh, Gretzky to the Oilers. At least, that's the story. Pocklington recalls some six-figure backgammon games, but Scalbania denies Gretzky was ever part of the stakes. However it happens, in 1979, Pocklington buys out the racer's owner, and Wayne Gretzky becomes the Oilers' new star. He signed a lengthy contract with Pocklington, an impersonal services contract, an unusual deal, which meant he was Peter Pocklington's. On Wayne Gretzky's 18th birthday, he signs an eye-watering contract with Peter Pocklington, $3 million for 10 years, with an option for another 10. It's the longest contract hockey has ever seen, and Pocklington makes sure the world knows it. Gretzky skates out to center ice of Edmonton's Northlands Coliseum and puts pen to paper in front of a full house, committing his future to the Oilers. And his impact on the team is immediate. He finished out that season, 1978-79 in Edmonton. 104 points in 72 games. He was the best player on the team. With the Oilers, Gretzky quickly becomes the talk of the hockey world. Unfortunately, later that same year, in June of 1979, the WHA would fold for good. But where others would despair, Pocklington sees an opportunity. If the NHL wanted Wayne Gretzky, they had to let Edmonton in. And Pocklington leveraged that contract to get Edmonton into the NHL for the 79-1980 season. At long last, Edmonton has an NHL franchise. Pocklington goes on the record saying that, with Gretzky on the team, the Oilers are going to win the Stanley Cup within five years. And five years later... Peter, very prophetic remarks about 1979 when you did say that the Edmonton Oilers would win the Stanley Cup in five years. Well, and I want to know how you do. Well, quite frankly, I, I, I'm a believer that one becomes what one thinks about. And when you believe something that strongly, it happens. The Oilers are just getting started. They win again the next year in 1985, then add two more Stanley Cups in 1987 and 88. As they celebrate their fourth Stanley Cup in five years, who's at the heart of it all? Number 99, Wayne He's a great guy, a fabulous hockey player. He's just 
something else for this game of hockey. By the end of the 1988 season, Gretzky has turned hockey on its head. He's been MVP eight of the last nine years, scored the most goals in the season ever, and broken the assist record five times. David Staple says it seems like his intelligence with the puck, his leadership, and his humility are rubbing off on everyone around him. Because Gretzky was there taking the pressure off everybody, the whole focus was on him. It allowed this whole generation of young stars to develop in his shadow, which was a great shadow to be in because the spotlight wasn't on you. It was always on Wayne, and he always lived up to it. Staples argues it's the most exciting time to be a fan of any sports team in any city ever. I mean, when the Oilers win, the food tastes better. The sky is more blue. Everything's better at Edmonton when the Oilers win. In the offseason following their fourth Stanley Cup win, being an Oilers fan is a pretty sweet life. What could you complain about? Not only did this impossible dream of Edmonton getting an NHL franchise come true, the dream that nobody had, that they would become the best team in the NHL, just quickly came to fruition before our eyes. But if you're Peter Pocklington, there's still one thing to complain about. Wayne Gretzky's contract. Pocklington convinces Gretzky to sign a contract extension to 1992, but he's now worrying about a concession he made during negotiations. Gretzky's right to unrestricted free agency. If Gretzky chooses to play out his full deal with the Oilers, he could then leave and sign with any team in the league for free. And Pocklington is worried the greatest player in the history of the sport might just walk away from his team. On July 16, 1988, just 51 days after winning the Stanley Cup, Wayne Gretzky and his longtime partner, Hollywood star Janet Jones, get married at a lavish wedding at St. Joseph's Basilica in Edmonton. Thousands of people in Edmonton crammed into any spot they could find, all for a glimpse of the Prince of Hockey and his bride. Every detail is exhaustively reported by the Canadian press. The skinless capon stuffed with fresh peaches, the seven-tier wedding cake, and the 500 hand-beaded crystals on the bride's wedding gown. The Edmonton Symphony Orchestra performs while Canadian national hero and TV star Alan Thicke MCs. For the people of Edmonton who are as mad about Wayne Gretzky as they are about hockey, his marriage to Janet Jones was the biggest thing they've seen in years. Life couldn't be better for the Gretzkys. They haven't announced it yet, but Jones is pregnant with the couple's first child. They receive a royal send-off to their honeymoon in Los Angeles, where they are able to keep a lower profile than they do in Edmonton. Bruce McNall, owner of the Los Angeles Kings from 1987 to 1994, tells us that's because hockey is yet to enter the public eye in L.A. Yeah, I became a fan, a hockey fan, because a friend of mine was Canadian. He took me to the first Kings game when they first got there in 1968. You could go to a game, buy a $2 ticket, sit on the ice. I mean, it was nobody there. One thing that has captured fans in Los Angeles is the other team playing at the Forum. The Lakers, owned by McNall's friend and former business partner, Jerry Buss. I knew that L.A. is star power market, whether it be movies, television, whatever, it's based on stars. And Jerry Buss and I would talk about this all the time. He had these great players, and the Sands were both. And I knew that star power would mean something in L.A. But to go from $2 front row tickets 
to the Showtime Lakers? McNall needs to land the biggest star in the game. So he's been trying to build a relationship with Gretzky for a while. When we played the Edmonton Oilers, he would skate by, slap me on the back with a stick or something. And I said, hey, I'm going to get you one day. He said, yeah, dream on. Not going to happen. McNall gets the same reaction from Pocklington. When I would go to the Board of Governors meetings, I'd ask Peter Pocklington, hey, Peter, how about uh, trading Wayne? They laugh. Get out of here. See you later. Bye-bye. They bond like that for months, months. Pocklington is adamant. Gretzky is completely off the table. I said, what would you want for Gretzky? I said, I'll give you the whole team. How's that? I said, no, pass. I really had given up, frankly. But in late June of 1988, something changes. The Alberta economy was really struggling through the 1980s. There wasn't quite as much money here. Pocklington's other businesses were starting to clearly struggle, leak cash. He needed money. And so do his players. As they're collecting trophies, they start talking, comparing their salaries with top players on other NHL teams, and realize they aren't matching up. The assumption then was, you are making a boatload of money off the Oilers. You're going deep in the playoffs every year. You're not paying these players a ton of money. There should be $10 million at the end of every season to reinvest in this team. Pocklington is waging a war on many fronts. Oilers players are grumbling about pay, and fans are wondering where the money is going. Away from hockey, some of his factory workers have been on strike. And Alberta's not the center of an oil boom anymore. His real estate value is plummeting. Suddenly, Pocklington's most valuable asset is Wayne Gretzky. Out of the blue, he called me and he said, you still want Gretzky? I said, of course. He said, well, first of all, I need $15 million now. I said, okay, done. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
all of a sudden, an opportunity previously thought impossible has landed in L.A. Kings owner Bruce McNall's lap. And it wasn't until he made that call and opened the door that I said, oh, God, i got to run through this door as fast as I can. I'm not real fast, but I ran through it. The Oilers have just won their fourth Stanley Cup in five years. But Peter Poplington's money problems mean he might be willing to sell Wayne Gretzky. The puck tells Bruce McDowell a $15 million upfront payment for Wayne is non-negotiable. His other demands are less concrete. I want some draft picks, and I want the more players, and I want this, and I want that. I said, okay. Then I said, you know, the only thing is, I just need to know that Wayne's involved, that Wayne's okay with this whole thing. After all, this would mean Gretzky is leaving a team he has grown up with, one that many say could still have another four or five Stanley Cups in them if they stay together. Plus, he'd be moving almost 3,000 miles away to a city that seems like it barely knows it has a hockey team. So McNall gets Pocklington's permission to speak with Gretzky. He happens to be in L.A. at the time on his honeymoon. I said, Wayne, it's very serious. He really wants to trade you. He couldn't believe it. Gretzky writes in his autobiography that his call from Bruce McNall is completely unexpected. Pocklington had never talked to him about being traded. They were even discussing a possible contract extension. The option to stay in Edmonton, either by running down his contract or signing a new deal, is still on the table. But the lack of communication from Pocklington has disturbed him. Gretzky calls it a slap in the face from the Oilers. Gretzky agrees to meet McNall face-to-face in Los Angeles. But even after a few dinners together, McNall can tell he's still not totally sold on the move. What McNall does next comes to define him for years in the league. We were in my office, and I said, wait, check this out. So I called Peter Pocklington, and I put him on the speaker. Pocklington answers, unaware he's on speaker and unaware Gretzky is in the room. And I said, Peter, um, you really want to do this deal? with training Gretzky. Absolutely, he says. I said, okay. I said, look, um, you know, I just need to get Wayne involved, make sure he's on board and happy with it. He said, you know, he whines too much anyway. You deal with him. As Gretzky recounts the incident, Hocklington doesn't stop there. He calls Gretzky selfish and has choice words for his father and wife. Hocklington does refute this claim. Regardless, by the end of that call, well, when I hung up with him, Wayne turns to me and says, I'm a king. Next. Gretzky is convinced. McNall's contract offer is a huge raise, $2 million per year plus bonuses. But McNall says once they've agreed on personal terms, Gretzky doesn't just sit back. Instead, he effectively becomes McNall's unofficial GM, helping create the structure of the trade. Wayne said, I need Martin McSorley, bounce some heads around. Mike Gretzky would be a good second line center. On the three first-round draft picks, don't give them in a row. Stack them every other year. But when it's finally time to sit down and negotiate, they find Oilers GM Glenn Sather uncooperative. Glenn Sather basically said, Peter Pocklin is out of his mind. I'm not doing this deal. Forget about it. He was furious. Furious. Pocklington gives Sather the news that he has agreed to sell Gretzky while the two are on a fishing trip in the Northern Territories. It's Sather's job to finalize negotiations. Sather acknowledges that, in the moment he finds out, he's tempted to punch his boss. When the Oilers GM negotiates the trade terms with McNall, that anger hasn't died off. 
threats of lawsuits go back and forth. Sather won't go down easy and tries to strike the best deal he can. He was so mad, but he's he works for Parkland and he's got to do this. Then he made the deal better for the Oilers than it otherwise would have been, getting more back for the Oilers than they otherwise would have got. In exchange for Gretzky, Marty McSorley, and left-wing Mike Krushelnitsky, the Kings send prospects Jimmy Carson and Martin Jelena, and first-round picks in 1989, 91, and 93 to Edmonton. Oh, and they'll also be sending 15 million U.S. dollars. The main aspect of that deal was the $15 million going to Peter Pocklington from Bruce McNall. That's why that deal happened. This wasn't a trade. It wasn't the Gretzky trade. It was the Wayne Gretzky sale. While huge cash sums for contracted players are becoming more common in other sports, they are still almost unheard of in hockey. The Oilers and the Kings agree to terms in late July 1988, but Pocklington doesn't want to announce it until August 11th. Gretzky speculates Puck wants to finish the Oilers' season ticket drive. Others think Pocklington's PR team wanted to hold the announcement until he was away on another fishing trip up north, far from the press. But of course, with a story this huge, whispers get out. I was in the newsroom. You know, at that point, newsrooms are the one place in the city where you hear all the rumors. And um, there was this rumor this was happening and Wayne Gretzky was going to get traded. And it was just unbelievable. The pressure mounts. And on August 8th, 1988, McNall calls Wayne Gretzky, who is house-sitting for Alan Thicke in Los Angeles. So Wayne got a phone and I told him. He didn't really believe it any more than I did. I said, he said, really? So yeah, we got to get on a plane tomorrow to fly to Edmonton, sign the papers, and do the press conference. The press conference is being held the next day at Edmonton's Molson Brewery in a building called the Molson House, a log cabin meeting space built to resemble a fur trading fort. Think dark wood beams, a faux stone interior, fake candles flickering on the walls. You can hear a pin drop, even when Pocklington, Sather, and Gretzky emerge and sit at a table cluttered with microphones from every major press outlet in Canada. David Staples is among the media gathered that day. It was just surreal what was going on. What do you remember about like the atmosphere of the room? Just really super quiet and Gretzky at the front sitting there. Peter Pocklington addresses the media first. That I announce and I guess more important confirm that the Edmonton Oilers have agreed to trade Wayne Gretzky to Los Angeles. Gretzky speaks next. And I chatted to Mr. McNall and decided that it would be beneficial for everyone involved to let, let me play with the Los Angeles Kings. I just remember him being very measured, quiet, completely torn about what was going on. I asked him, you know, what are your favorite memories here at Edmonton? And he started to weep then. I'm disappointed about having to leave Edmonton. I truly admire all the fans and respect everyone over the years. I promised mess I wouldn't do this. 
But um, as I said, there comes a time when when uh, the words just won't seem to come out. Gretzky hides his face behind a tissue and eventually stands up and walks away from the table. It just hit like a bomb going off out of nowhere. Kaboom. (laughs) Taking out Edmonton. How is this happening? What are we watching here? What, What is going on? When Glenn Sather takes the mic, his anger is still palpable. I don't want to try and philosophize on what's happened because I don't think we can uh, justify the reasons why this has happened. And uh, it's tough. That's what sports are all about. On the heels of the Oilers press conference, Wayne is off to L.A. on Bruce McNall's private jet. We got back to my plane and flew right smack to L.A. and had that press conference right after that. When you call a press conference for hockey in Los Angeles, you would usually get two beat writers, if you're lucky, and maybe a television station, maybe four people. So when we go to the Sheraton Hotel near the airport where we flew in, and we go in there, and all of a sudden there's like hundreds and hundreds of people, cameras and reporters and this and that. It's like, what? It's a far cry from the intimate, emotional scene in Edmonton. Bruce McNall takes the podium, ready to put on a show. I saw the joke that you made to open it. <laughs> I'll never At the moment, we'd like to uh, now to go to the reason you all came to introduce our new uh, team colors. Well, the players never liked the uniforms. A, because they were the same as the Lakers. And second, they would tell me they looked like a banana on ice. Let's see, I think we have a model here somewhere for the new uh, colors. I'm not sure. Do you think? Wayne and Janet Gretzky. Gretzky pulls on the Kings' new white and silver uniforms. The crowd is electric. It's very exciting to be here. It's something that I think will not only be good for Wayne Gretzky and the LA Kings, but I think a move that'll be beneficial to the game of hockey. It's the start of a shiny new era for the LA Kings. Back in Edmonton, CBS takes to the streets to hear from Oilers fans the morning after the news breaks. It's my 22nd wedding anniversary today, and then a catastrophe like this. It's just unbelievable. I'm really shook up I could stand here and cry. There was just a sense of real sadness, I think, at that press conference. That's what I remember more than anything else, like disbelief, unreality, and sadness. Edmontonians begin looking for answers because Pockington's story that Gretzky had requested the trade just isn't adding up. The questions were, like, initially, like, why did this happen? Former Oilers defenseman Paul Coffey, whose contract dispute prompted a move away the summer prior, is the first to speak out. Paul Coffey was interviewed in the Edmonton Journal and he said Gretzky was traded like a piece of meat. Alongside Coffey, Gretzky's best man and oldest teammate, Eddie Mio, says Wayne never had any desire to leave Canada. I know Wayne never did want to leave Edmonton. I know he loves Edmonton, he loves the people, he loves Canada. He told you that? 
Yes, he did. He told wow. me he did not. He said he, he loved Edmonton, and uh, it was a great place to live. When that sunk in, that this was a sale, people just were irate and angry. The public turned against Parklington radically. Who do you think that they're going to believe, the people of Edmonton? I guess it really doesn't matter. They're going to believe whoever they want to believe. But I, from a businessman's point of view and from a, a lover of the city, uh, I hope they understand that it certainly wasn't my wish that he left at this time. A few days later, Pocklington is quoted in the Edmonton Journal saying, Wayne had an ego the size of Manhattan. Ah, well, his projection of thing, he had not only sold Wayne Gretzky, he had lied about it. People are done with Pocklington. Done with Pocklington doesn't even begin to cover it. In the weeks that follow, angry Edmontonians start to boycott Pocklington's food supply businesses. Hundreds of Oilers fans show up to a meeting at the convention center wearing black armbands, mourning Gretzky's departure. Outside, vendors sell anti-Pocklington signs that say, Peter, Peter, liar, cheater. One Canadian parliament member even tries to have the government step in to block the trade, claiming Gretzky amounted to a national treasure. Fortunately for McNall in Los Angeles, though, the trade has already gone through, and nothing can stop the Kings from becoming the talk of one of the most glamorous towns in the world. Obviously, the office phones were ringing up to get season tickets. So we were selling out constantly. I hired more people, demand the phones, sell tickets. It was a crazy zoo there. We spoke with the Kings star winger at the time, Luke Robitaille, who is now the team's president. He tells us, if anything, the players are more starstruck than fans. I couldn't believe my luck. I was going to get to play with my idol, and I was going to learn from him. I couldn't believe it. But once they get past the surprise they realize they're in for a ride with Gretzky on the team. Gretzky and King Center Bernie Nichols develop a close relationship. You know, I'm thinking, damn, like this is pretty cool, right? Like I get to play and hang with Wayne. I hung with him every friggin' day. It was unbelievable. I don't think any of us knew what it would do to Los Angeles. We kind of knew that the building would be sold out, but not what it would do to the city of LA. That changed everything. Kings became thing to attend. I remember getting a call from Michael Ovitz, that time ran CAA, the largest talent agency. He represented all the big giant stars. And he said, I need four season tickets. I want them on the ice. Tom Hanks is one of the first to get his season ticket order in. Sly Stallone, Tom Cruise, Goldie Hawn, even President Ronald Reagan become regulars at the forum. The only problem I had is a thing called the Secret Service. They had to stand behind all the time. I just asked the guys, hey, he just crashed down a little bit so the fans behind him could see. And while Gretzky doesn't win a Stanley Cup with the Kings, he does something arguably more difficult. He makes L.A. a hockey town. The relevance of hockey took place only because of the Gretzky power. And that power doesn't exist anywhere else today. And Wayne knew that, so he knew that, that the marketplace needed himself. And there was no other player in the world that could do that. And to this day, there's no other player in the world. Luke Robitaille. The fact that Wayne Gretzky came to L.A., the first thing it did is it made people believe that hockey could be successful in the South. Suddenly, a couple of years later, there was a team in Anaheim. Then San Jose popped up. Then there was an expansion in Phoenix. Then Minnesota moved to Dallas, of all places. 
The other thing that happened when Wayne came in LA, I think at the time there was maybe five or six hockey rinks for kids to play. And within about five years, there were about 25 rinks here. And that really made a big, big difference in the expansion, the growth of kids playing hockey in Southern California. As for Edmonton, the lasting strength of the team that Gretzky, Pocklington, and Sather built was enough to win one more Stanley Cup in 1990. Losing the greatest player to ever play your sport, though, is still tough to swallow. There was all kinds of unfair things in hockey, but there wasn't sales. There wasn't these huge cash transactions. And it bothered me, and it bothered many people. Staples tells us, with time, it's easier to look back with perspective. Even on Peter Pocklington, who remained Edmonton's public enemy number one until he sold the team in 1998. You know, here's the truth. He bought Gretzky and he sold Gretzky. Was it evil and wrong when he bought him and brought him to Edmonton and all the good things happened? We were all happy then. Yeah, it still grates on me, but at the same time, it's part of this, the story of this team. And even this the sale, as painful as, as it was at the time, it's kind of a fairly dramatic event. And it's, it's fascinating and interesting. It's something to ponder rather than to condemn or get upset about. Thanks for listening to Sports History This Week. For moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Other notable sports stories that happened this week? 1994. The MLB player strike begins, canceling the playoffs for the first time in 90 years. And 2022. CBS airs a live professional pickleball match for the first time on network TV. If you want to get in touch, feel free to email us at sportspod at history.com or leave a voicemail at 212-351-0410. Special thanks to our guest, David Staples, award-winning journalist and the Cold of Hockey blogger, Bruce McNall, former owner of the LA Kings and co-chair of AMARC Entertainment, Luke Robitaille, Hockey Hall of Famer and current LA Kings president, and Bernie Nichols, retired all-star NHL center. This episode was produced by David Ingber and Jonah Buchanan, story edited by Julia Press, and sound designed by Bill Moss. Sports History This Week is also produced by Cooper Katz-McKim. Our associate producers are Emma Fredericks and Hazel May. Our senior producer is Ben Dixie. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn, and our executive producer is Jesse Katz. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Sports History This Week wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Copyright 2023 a Television Networks, LLC. All rights reserved.